because of Jesus, I am a accepted, adopted, approved, and alive. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am me, beloved, blessed, born again in a bond servant of Jesus. I am seen, chosen of God, a child of God, citizen of heaven, and crucified with Christ. I am indeed delivered from darkness, dead to sin, and a disciple of Jesus. I am elect, I am forgiven and free, I am God's workmanship, I am an heir of God and hidden in Christ. I am the image of God and forever in Christ. J, I am justified by faith. K, I am kept for Jesus and known by God. L, I am the light of the world and loved by the Father. M, I am more than a conqueror and a minister of reconciliation. N, I am a new creation. I am not ashamed. I am not forsaken. I am not condemned and I am never alone. I am an oak of righteousness. Once was lost, but now I am found. I am a priest of the Most High and I am pleasing to God. I am qualified by the Father. I am redeemed, righteous, rescued, ransomed, and reconciled. S, I am a saint and the salt of the earth. T, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit and I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. U, I am under grace and united with Christ. V, I am victorious through Christ and vindicated by God. I am a witness of God's power, a worshiper of Jesus, and washed by the Spirit. I am an ex-enemy of God. I am yoked with Christ and I am zealous for good works for the glory of God. That's who I am. And that's who you are in Him. Amen. Sometimes we need a reminder of who we are, huh? What we believe not only about God, but about ourselves. Uh, I want to just take a few moments if you're a guest with us today or you're watching online maybe for the first time, but uh, you can take a moment to fill this out. It's a little connection card that we have. It's right in the queue in front of you. Take a few moments to fill this out if you're a guest with us this morning. Of course, if you're if you're here and, and you have a prayer request, on the back of that, you have an opportunity to write a prayer request down that we pray over every week. And uh, you know, take a few moments to do that. You can drop a writing offering basket afterwards. And also, uh, out of the welcome desk, we have this little welcome to area packet for you to take a look at. And it gives you a little more information about who we are as a church, so I want to encourage you to do that as well. And I just want to first welcome those who are also watching us online. I know Verona uh, pretty consistently watches us from Jamaica. Uh, so if you, many of you know Verona, so she's on there almost every week. My in-laws, of course, from Arizona, and there are others that join us. And it's a great opportunity that we have to meet together even when we can't be together. And uh, so we found that out, you know, even through the pandemic and things, and we've been able to still have grown as part of our congregation, just in a, I guess, in a little bit of a different place. So it's kind of a mission for us. Anyway. So thanks, Verona, for being on with us today, and uh, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, I also just want to, uh, you know, talk about this series. The series has been Let Us, and we're talking about Let Us, and there's three Let Us statements that happens here in Hebrews chapter 4, and today we're going to focus on Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, um, where we've been sharing some behind-the-scenes thoughts of things that I've been thinking through as I've been reading through Hebrews. And I just noticed that there were three different times that the author, the, the writer of Hebrews, says, let us. And I like the word let us because it's a kind of a welcoming term. Like, this is something that we do together. Let us do this together. Versus saying, you must or you have to. But he said, let us, and then he went on. Last week, we looked at the first let us, and the first let us was, let us do our best to enter God's rest. 
you can shorten that to say, let us rest. That's an important aspect of, of, uh, of our faith. I want to look today at the second let us that we're going to talk about, and the next week we'll move on to the third. But the second let us, again, is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. And uh, we're going to read that together here, Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 15. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us, the word let us, hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So we have this here, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So what are we going to do? We're going to hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15 goes on to say this. He says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same things that we face, yet he did not sin. Now what's so amazing is that we have this high priest, Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of God, and the, this, this scripture passage says that he's making intercession for us. That's a big way of saying that he is praying for us. Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for us. And the author tells us to hold firmly to what we believe. Now, our faith is not just a blind faith for no reason. But the reason is because we have a high priest who is in heaven. It always blows my mind when you think about all the things that the apostles and the disciples saw when they followed Jesus around. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. I'm guessing they probably joked with Jesus because that's just human nature, right? Maybe they noticed some of his mannerisms and had fun with that once in a while. You see, they walked with Jesus, they talked with him, and they actually ate breakfast with him. And they ate breakfast with him after he died and after he rose from the dead. They were with Jesus when he ascended to heaven. And they were willing to give their lives for the reality that Jesus died, he rose again, and he entered into heaven. They were willing to die for that. They were willing to hold firmly to their belief, regardless of the consequences, regardless of persecution. Even when they faced death, they held on, they held firmly to their belief. And they continued to hold firmly to what they believed. Why? Because they were there. They experienced it. They saw it all. We hold firmly to what we believe because Jesus was tested as we were. And now he dwells in heaven. He knows what we've gone through. And in fact, verse 15 says this. And I want to say it again. The high priest understands our weaknesses. The high priest understands our weaknesses. Yet he did not sin. He faced all the same tests that he did, yet he did not sin. So just think about it for a moment. Jesus had been hurt like we've been hurt. He's been where we have been. He's been tempted like we've been tempted. And that scripture teaches us that he did not sin. The good news is because Jesus overcame, we can do from his life. So what do we do? We hope for what we believe. We sang a little bit about what we believe this morning. Now what's really interesting is that in the world we live in today, there are so many people who really don't know what they believe. They really don't understand what they believe. 
You hear a lot of people say, well, I'm spiritual. In fact, I was reading a, a book recently about a very common mindset about spiritual things in the world today. And it's, this common mindset is called moralistic therapeutic theism. And this label has gained ground in our culture today. And when people look at God, this is basically what we're saying. We're going to break this down just for a moment. They have this view of God, moralistic, meaning basically, okay, if I believe in God, I believe that he wants me to be good. He wants me to be nice. He wants me to be moral. He wants me to do the right thing. So that's the moralistic part of it. Therapeutic is where a lot of people will think, well, okay, if I'm nice and I believe in God, then my life will be better. God exists to make my life better. And then the day is a part. Of course, a lot of people believe that God created the world, set it into motion, and he's not really involved anymore. He left the building. So put together, we serve, in this mindset, we serve a God who wants us to be nice, moral people. We serve a God that only exists to make my life better. And we serve a God that created the world, but he has left the building. He has left it for us alone to figure it all out for ourselves. That's moralistic, therapeutic deism. This is a challenge. This moralistic, therapeutic deism is really very different from the God that we read about in Scripture. So why do we hold firmly to our beliefs? Why do we hold firmly to God's Word? Why do we hold firmly to all that God has done? To the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul even says that without the resurrection, our faith is useless. beliefs we hold on to. There are pockets of Christianity that read the Apostles' Creed every week. It's a powerful statement and a summary of what, what we believe and why what we believe is important. For centuries, people would declare these truths, these core beliefs, over millions with millions of believers in history, all throughout history. And for centuries, people would declare these core beliefs. And this statement, the Apostles' Creed, actually connects us with every believer that has stated this with us. We are declaring it along with them over thousands of years. The things that we believe about who Christ is and what he came to do. This statement unites us. And when we declare it, we're declaring it together in unity about the things that we believe, about the things that take priority. Now, we may agree, uh, disagree with other churches about other things. But this is a core belief for all believers. That's why it's the Apostles' Creed. If you're unsure of what we believe as a church, this statement is the anchor we hold on to. Do we believe some other things other than this? Yes. But this is the anchor that we hold on to. This is what we believe. This is what we hold firmly to. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Of course, many of you may grow up in traditions where you did state this quite often, or maybe you even remember it word for word. But the Apostle Creed goes something like this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Similar to the song you just sang. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seen at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. He just sang 
and he's coming back again. He's coming back again. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We just sing. Let the lost be found in the deadly ways, and the here and now let love and faith, let the church live loud, our God will save. We believe. And the gates of hell will not prevail, for the power of God is torn the veil. Now we know your love will never fail. We believe. Now, when I teach anything, I always try to imagine that someone might be, or what someone might be enduring in their lives. Even when I prepare for Sunday morning to prepare my messages. What might somebody be going through? I'm aware that some of you may have received a very bad report from a doctor this week. There might be someone who's in really tough financial trouble. Maybe there's someone who's crushed by someone or someone that you trusted has let you down in a big way. I understand that there may be those who are having, that have a marriage that's barely holding on. Or someone that you love is in a really bad spot right now. Maybe one of your kids are struggling. People all over the world face depression. And there's anger and there's unforgiveness. You may feel desperate. What do we do when facing these problems? Let's go back to the text. We hold firmly to what we believe. We hold firmly to what we believe. When the problems come, we hold firmly to what we believe. Why? Because we have a high priest, Jesus, and we have a Savior who loves the unlovable. Since we have a high priest who accepted those that religion rejected, we have a high priest who heals the sick and raises the dead. Since we have a Savior who understands everything that we're going through, since he was tempted in every way, since, but he did not sin, we can hold firmly to what we believe, because Jesus is good. He paid the price for our sins. He suffered and died so that we can live. And since he is with God at this moment, and yet he is with us, he is both with God and with us right now, here in this place, right here in this room. He's with us. His presence is here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. We welcome you in this place. He is ever present, ever powerful, all powerful, and ever faithful. Since he has always been, been good, we hold firmly to the belief, and we hold firmly to what we believe. He is our Savior, we are his, and nothing and no one us out of his hand. You hear Paul speak of this, that nothing can keep us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his love. So what do we do? We hold firmly to our core beliefs. We hold firmly to what we believe. 
We have a high priest, Jesus our Savior, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. And therefore, because he was faithful in every way, experienced the same temptation we experience, yet never sinned, we hold firmly to what we believe, especially when the storm comes. It's amazing to me, I, I notice this quite often. It's amazing to me when you're reading through Scripture and how one day, or even one page, turning from one page to the next, there's a huge change in the scene. One turn of the page makes all the difference between a despair, between despair and a miracle. I'll see your voice on the whole turn of the page. But it's amazing to me when you read scripture and read the stories and read the difficult things that arise all throughout scripture in different people's lives, sometimes you just simply need to turn to you and you see the answer. You see how God responded. You see how God reacted. This happened to us this week. As a church, we hold firmly to what we believe. And we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. And we believe that miracles still happen today. It's not something from just a long time ago. And I'm here to testify of a miracle that took place this week. I've been completely overwhelmed with God's blessing. The seemingly impossible became possible. And as we sing quite often, with, with God, all things are possible. Many of you know, many of you know the story, maybe you don't, so I'll just tell it one time, so I'll tell it several times. But we were in a housing lottery this past week. There were three homes that were available. And there were two lottery holders, one that had a local preference and one that was without local preference. The local preference are those who, who already live in Falmouth, work in Falmouth, have kids in Falmouth, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, as the numbers were pulled, during the local preference lottery, which is the first one that happened, they were, they were going to pull two names from that. Um, we did not play. Two names were pulled. We were not the first alternate, but we were the second alternate. Did something happen with financing or whatever that we would then step up? And I honestly didn't fully understand how the poll was working, and I thought it was over. I thought we promised it. I thought it was done. But I was listened in simply because we were the alternate. So I thought well, I should probably at least find out what's going on. So that was it, I thought. Then they put all of those that didn't get the first poll into the second poll for people who don't live in common, who don't have the local preference, and they mix them up. And I think it was even a larger number than what had the local what was in the local poll. And out of that, we won the third house. Right. Uh, the house home will be completed sometime in October or November. We'll be building it. This is our miracle, and I say our miracle because it's a miracle that many of you share it because you've been praying for us. You have continually gone before the Lord for us on our behalf. Sometimes strengthened us when we are weak, um, encouraged us in moments of desperation. But wait, there is one. We can end our show. But wait, there is one. In 1995. Yeah. Just pay the shipping. 
<laughs> Super gets forty five ninety five. We don't talk about that. <laughs> so wait, there's more. Several weeks ago, I was praying in the morning, and I really got the sense that I should contact Pastor Ben Feldhoff from Cape Cod Church, see if maybe he do a lawyer or something that can help us with some of the tenant issues or tenant law, just to figure out what are our rights in terms of the home. And uh, he got back to me and said, yeah, I may have something. Let me, let me check on a few things, and I'll get back to you. He did get back to me, I think, later in that day, and said, uh, I'm aware of someone who is, who is purchasing a home in North Falmouth, and they're closing in mid-May, and their plan is to purchase the home, rent it out for about a year or so, and then uh, do some remodeling and move in it themselves. So they're planning to rent it for a year and then fix it up. And uh, here's the more. Yesterday we solidified the rental. So our short-term rental problem But wait, <laughs> there's more. I'm excited. <laughs> Wait, there's more. So, maybe you know that our daughter Kylie is getting ready to uh, be driving. Please, extra prayers for that. <laughs> uh, so, she was getting her driver's license, and we've been keeping my Hyundai Elantra uh, in good shape because we thought at some point she would probably be driving it. And uh, But my in laws gave us their Nissan Altima, which is the one I will sometimes see out here. My car's in the shop, my Hyundai is in the shop. Uh, but it runs great, and we got it checked out, and everything has been fixed, and whenever anything happens. So, because of that, um, my in laws gave, gave their, their car to Kylie, so we no longer needed to keep it. And uh, there's someone else that was uh, back Peter McDonald bought a minivan, and he was selling his Nissan Maximum, uh, which was an upgrade for my Hyundai. <laughs> so, he gave me a really good price. Much less than what you probably could have gotten for it elsewhere. And so I said yes and advertised my car on the web on, on the website or online. And uh, Sarah was bombarded with calls. And there was one man that was being really pushy trying to get in and be the first to see it. But she really felt that there was this one particular person that we were supposed to sell it to. His name was Diago. For some reason, she didn't know why. She couldn't even explain it to me. She just said, I, I just feel like. This is the person we're supposed to sell it to. So Diablo came, checked out the car. The first day was on, by the way, and he was the first person to look at it. Looked at the car and he drove it around the parking lot. And he and his wife were expecting a child and they only had one car and he'd been meeting back and forth. But she's been coming to pick him up. She needed the car and drive back. It would be sending them. He was working in town. So we needed a reliable car to get back and forth to work, and I mean, was just talking to him about that. Come to find out he attends Harvard Church in Hyannis. And uh, really needed a car, had been praying for a car, and uh, was thankful that we held the car out for him and not giving it to the person. And for what we sold it for, we almost paid for my upgrade. So we've been texting back and forth, uh, me and Diago, about how God how good God is in both of our lives, and I let him know about my wife, how she sensed that she, he was the person we were supposed to sell it to. Let me just ask you a question. Who but God could orchestrate all of these things? Amen. 
I uh, so in one week we went from having no place to live, we went from despair to miracles upon miracles, and we hold firmly to our belief that God works miracles today, and He can do it for you. The past week felt like one of those, you know, those Christian movies, like Facing the Giants. You know, I've watched some of those movies where there's all these storylines that are happening, and you and all of a sudden, toward the end of the movie, they all connect, or you know, they all, you know, God just blesses all these different people in different ways at the end of the story. That's what it felt like. It's all part of God's plan. I was looking for cameras. Just something going on here. This can't be real, right? So I just want to thank. So I just want to say that we're thankful for many of you who've been praying boldly before the throne. That's next week. Let us go boldly. Praying for us. Um, and I'm thankful that we have an intercessor at the right hand of God on our behalf, praying. And I just, uh, you know, even when we don't see it, He's working. So, an awesome testimony today. Uh, it's in those moments where you stand firm in your faith. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle, doesn't mean that you're not going to have moments of despair. Moments of value. Like I said before, you know, I felt like I really understood the man who said, I believe, I hope I have belief. You know, you have that sense of just not knowing what's going to happen. And then other days you're like, no, I believe this is going to happen. And then other days you're like, this is never going to happen. How is this going to happen? I don't understand. Um, but we know that God's faithful. At the end of the day, we know that God is faithful. Just pray this morning as we close up. Father, this morning we come before you on behalf of maybe those that are struggling in their faith today. I pray that your word would build faith and we have confidence knowing that you are at the right hand side of the Father, interceding on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that you've been through everything that we've been through. And then we did not sin. You know the things that we've gone through because you went through any of those things yourself. Lord, I pray that the word would build faith and that you would draw us into you. And Lord, that you would enter into the special rest that you have for us. And God, because of who Jesus is and what he did, we can only hold firmly in that which we believe. Help us to do that. Here in this room, or maybe you're watching online, and you've never given your life over to Jesus. So maybe, maybe you're facing your own storm today, your own storm. I'm going to let you know that Jesus is someone who understands what you're doing, and He loves you more than you can imagine. And today, you may make a decision to follow this Christ that loves you. They feel as if you have nothing to hold on to. Many of us have felt that way. We've all had our ups and downs. You may feel like you're being tossed around, emotions up and down, frustrations, anger. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Jesus Christ.
God is a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. And you can be forgiven today. You can start and you can become a disciple of Christ, a follower of Him. It will not solve all your problems, but you do have a high priest, Jesus, who's praying for you. You don't have to walk alone. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to do that this morning, today is the day to get back on track. If you've walked away from Him, today is the day to get back. Today is the day that he has made. Today is the day of salvation. I'm just going to ask you to simply pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need an anchor. I need to hold firmly to something. I recognize the sin that I have in my life. Please forgive my sin and make me Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. And let the change in me begin. If you prayed that prayer, let us know in the chat and fill out the connection card right on the back of the your life in Jesus today. I would encourage you to download an app called YouVersion on your phone. It's God's Word. There's plenty of places that you can help continue to grow in your faith, and there's one devotion called First Steps to New Believers. I want to encourage you to start with that. Start, start with that. I also want to remind you that if, if you're in need of prayer, I will be available here in the front after service to pray a prayer of faith over anything you may be going through. Any leadership of the church would like to join me in praying over you, we'll do that here at the front after we uh, release everyone. Uh, feel free to stay and, and ask us for prayer. Now, can I have the congregation have to stand this morning? And can we declare boldly our belief? We're going to be saying this together. This is the Apostles that again, when we say this, we're saying this for thousands of years. Other people have stated this, that have declared this in their own lives. And we're going to declare it together this morning. Because this is what we hold firm to. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the righteous Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seen at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. May God bless you the rest of this week. See you
remember what that says. Yeah. 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 Yeah.